Blog Talk Radio. Oh, mama, I'm in fear for my life from the long arm of the Lord. Got miles to go before we sleep. Lawman is putting into my running, and I'm so far from my. We will not go gently. Uh, we're gonna unleash hell here in December. Oh, mama, I can hear you crying. You're so scared and all alone. Hey, somebody fix this guy's buckle. I don't even play football. Coming down from the gallows, and I don't have very long. Another episode of The Standard is the Standard, the BehindTheSteelCurtain.com flagship podcast. I'm Jeff Hartman, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And with me, as always, my partner in crime, Lance Williams, out on the West Coast. How's it going tonight, Lance? What's happening, Jeff? Call me Lance Williams, a.k.a. Color Rush. That's my new nickname. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about it. <laughs> a.k.a. Color, Color Rush. Rush with yeah, absolutely. I like that. I like that a lot. Now, fans that are listening, maybe for the first time, you have the opportunity to call in and be a part of the show if you're listening live. What we're going to do is we're going to go through our four topics that we have scheduled to talk about today, and then at the end we'll take any callers if there are any. Uh, The phone number to dial is 347-850-8581. Again, it's 347-850-8581 if you want to call in. And before we get into these four Pretty burning topics uh, about the Pittsburgh Steelers. I want to talk about our sponsors for a second. The show is sponsored by France Walker Law, the top criminal defense firm to call in western Pennsylvania and northern West Virginia. Home to one of the nation's top 100 ranked trial attorneys in Frank Walker. You can visit his website, frankwalkerlaw.com. And also sponsored by Centerfield Smoke, the best and the most unique Pittsburgh sports apparel provider for Pittsburgh fans everywhere. Go to centerfieldsmoke.com. Okay, Lance, um, the Steelers, for those that uh, have not been following them at training camp, they just wrapped up day number 14. Uh, They just finished up their second joint practice with the Detroit Lions, and there's a lot to talk about in terms of what that means and what your thoughts are with the joint practices. I'm going to go ahead and start here, and I'll go ahead and start, to be honest with you. I like these joint practices. Now, I'm I'm a head coach at the high school level. I don't coach football, but – Still, it's a high school sport that is a team sport. And um, when you're talking about potential practice situations like this, I do this almost every season in the preseason, and I find that I get more out of these types of environments than I do with scrimmages, which would be equate to like a preseason game. And the reason why is that you can set up specific scenarios. We're talking in football, goal line drills, two-minute drills, um, all that different, all these different types of situational things that – Tomba might want to run. The Detroit Lions might want to run. And honestly, from a fan's perspective, I'd rather go to St. Vincent and watch the joint practices than I would be there at Heinz Field on Friday night because, as we found out today, no Ben Roethlisberger, no Marquise Pouncey, 
no Le'Veon Bell, no D'Angelo Williams, no uh, Antonio Brown, and there's there's a slew of other guys that are nursing injuries that probably aren't going to play. I like these joint practices. What are your what's your take on the joint practice? Do you think it's worth anything, or do you think it's just a bunch of uh, a bunch of to do bunch to do about nothing? No, I think they're good. I, I think they're advantageous to the football team specifically. But the biggest thing about the joint practices and what we've heard over the last couple of days is that no one's gotten injured. That's the biggest thing. And to add to what you're saying, considering that the final five, so to speak for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And if you guys have been watching the Olympics, you guys are well, you guys well know who the final five are, uh, the U.S. Uh, women's gymnastics team that won the gold earlier this yeah. week. So if Ben, A.B., Bell, Pouncey, and D'Angelo aren't playing, uh, you know, you're right. The practices at St. Vincent against the Lions, who they'll be playing on Friday, is probably going to be better than the preseason game. Plus, I think the the biggest thing, too, is you get to compete against somebody in a different jersey. You get to go against somebody in a different skill set. For example, I've read a lot this week about Villanueva against Ziggy Ansah and for a young player like Villanueva who looks like it's going to be the starting left tackle given all reports that Chris Harris is struggling in camp and Villanueva is playing well, for him to be able to work on two consistent days against a premier speed pass rusher like an Ansa is outstanding work. So I think it's all advantageous, and I think that's why the coaches do it. And we we always have to remember that the coaches are doing things that they think is going to be advantageous for the football team. So if they think it's a good thing, then it is a good thing for the most part. Yeah, absolutely. Today, the second day of these joint practices, uh, they did some back-on-backer stuff. Uh, Lady Bell supposedly got into it with a uh, Detroit Lions linebacker. He kind of shoved the guy's face mask. Uh, Antonio Brown, he kind of went off in more ways than one. Uh, he had another productive day, as Antonio Brown typically does. We're going to talk about him a lot here in the uh, second half of the show. But he also, got, probably what was most noteworthy from him in this practice session, if you followed on Twitter, we had the live updates on the BehindTheSteelCurtain.com page, was that he was jawing at the officials that were there helping with this practice, both practices, both days. Just ridiculous amounts of just running his mouth. I'm all for passion, but I don't understand what he's trying to do by complaining um, so much to the officials in a practice setting. Because in my opinion, that's setting a bad precedent with the officials in terms of the guys that might be, or girls, I should say, not apologies, um, those that might be actually officiating a game of the Steelers in the regular season. Um, I don't know if he needs to kind of calm himself down. There's already been reports that he's been John and Artie Burns uh, a lot throughout training camp. He's, if he burns him, he's in his face, and he's just running his mouth. Is that just A-B to you, or do you think that stuff like that, antics like that, especially in the preseason, there's just really no need for it. There's probably no need for it. But at the same time, I don't think it's a big deal. And as far as him going back and forth with Burns, tough love, baby. He's a rook. He needs to get his whooping and comeuppance from A.B. Because trust me, if he can cover A.B. in practice, we have something there. So I love that A.B. is challenging the rook, the first-round draft pick, because if the Steelers are going to make a run, for that seventh world championship, those rookies, Sean Smith as well as Burns, are going to have to be able to mature quickly. And what better way than having the best wide receiver in the National Football League in your face challenging you and destroying you every single day. So put your big boy pads on and uh, don't take it uh, personally. 
get torched, get better, and hopefully the Steelers can use Artie Burns and those young guys later in the league, excuse me, in the season to help get that seventh world championship. Absolutely agree 100%. So the Pittsburgh Steelers' next uh, practice is tomorrow, Thursday, but it's closed to the public as they prepare for the game on Friday night. And so Friday night at 7 o'clock, it will not be on national television. Uh, for those of you that want to risk streaming it somewhere online, uh, be careful with your computers out there. But I do believe that the NFL Network will re-air all the games at some point. Just got to do a quick guide search, find it, and record it. Um, you can also follow along live. I'll be live tweeting the game um, for those that don't have that so that you can kind of follow along, especially with the early parts of the game as to who's doing well, who's performing well, who might not be performing well. But here's what I want to ask you, Lance, is looking at the upcoming games, the first preseason game, I already went through the long list of players that will not be playing, and there's an even longer list of players like Ryan Shazier, Marcus Wheaton. Um, unfortunately, um, the, the, some rookies like Artie Burns that have been dealing with injuries are probably not going to play on Friday, which really, really stinks because that's their time to, to put something on tape, so to speak, as coaches say. Give me as many as you want, really. I'll give you the flexibility to do as many as you want defensively. What are you looking for defensively that isn't no injuries? Because I think we can all say we don't want anyone to get hurt in these games. That's a very blanket statement. Let's throw that one out the window. What are you looking for in this first preseason game maybe some players, maybe some concepts. I'm curious to pick your brain on the defensive side as to what to look for. There are three guys that I'm looking forward to seeing in Friday's game. Unfortunately, Burns is not going to play. He was going to be one of those guys that I wanted to look at. Uh, but I want to look at McCullers uh, I want to, because of the loss of McClendon. I want to see how McCullers plays. Particularly, I want to see if McCullers can play consistently with a low pad level and really two-gap it and see what he does. I also want to see Hargrove because he's the camp darling right now. Help me pronounce the the, the, the linebacker's name. Is it Chickarillo? Is that how you pronounce it? Well, first it's Hargrave. That's okay. And then you have uh, Chiquillo. Anthony Chiquillo. Well, you, listeners, yeah. if, if you listen to the show over the course of the season, <laughs> I am going to mess up quite a few names. I want to apologize for it right now (laughs) (laughs) because it took me a half season to get Martavis Bryant correct. Martavis, right? Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Now, don't ask me to say the date again after Jeff just said it. But the linebacker, Hargrave, McCullers, Chiquillo. Chiquillo, there you go. Chiquillo, like I'm chilling like Killo. Yeah. Chiquillo. There you go. Like Chiquillo, but Chiquillo. All right, I want to look at Chiquillo, Hargrave, McCullers, and Sean Smith. The reason I want to look at Chiquillo is, you know, they had difficulty at the linebacker position generating sacks. They only generated 15. We talked about it ad nauseum on the last show about we think it's foolhardy that the Steelers are going to try to do a rotation of Jarvis Jones and Bud Dupree. I don't think Jarvis Jones is a very good player. Jeff doesn't think he's a very good player. Hell, all of Steeler Nation doesn't think he's a very good player. The only one who likes him and probably the only person that cares is Joey Porter. Other than that, we all think the guy's a bust. So they're going to have to generate a pass rush from some linebacker. And if it's a young second-year player, 
all to the good. He's cheap. They have him for several years. Maybe he can make a dent and an impact. They just need to get sacks and generation pressure from the outside linebacker position. McCullers, he's going to have to step in for McClendon. I want to see how he anchors that. Sean Smith, we've been hearing a lot about him being able to play both the uh, slot corner as well as play safety. I want to see how he plays the level of physicality and coverage that he brings to the game. Will he be able to really challenge Robert Golden and Hargrave? We've been hearing about his ability to get off the snap and really be a guy to penetrate and get in the backfield and cause some pressure. These four guys can really play this year. It'll be, again, much needed for a defense that's going to make or break this 2016-17 campaign. Yeah, I agree. And there's been a lot of Twitter chatter and even Facebook people talking about the upcoming preseason game and they're talking about, oh, I wonder if they'll maybe run some 4-3 look or, or whatever. Folks, understand it's the first preseason game. With these rookies, they'll be happy if they can get all the right players on the field at the right time. You're going to see very vanilla stuff. I doubt they blitz much. They might throw a corner safety blitz in every now and then because Keith Butler likes to do that stuff. Um, but ultimately it's going to be one-on-one battles, like you mentioned, with uh, those players that you listed. And that's the same on the offense. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm going to assume that Landry Jones is going to start the game. He's been the one that has been handling the duties when Ben Roethlisberger has not been a- available uh, or given the day off. I want to see Landry Jones show a step in his progression. I, I mean, even last year, Everyone said, gosh, Landry Jones, we, they should cut him. Everyone said they should cut him, and they've been saying that for two years now. The thing is, is that even when people have the caveat of saying, well, he's not playing with a starter, so that's probably why he doesn't look very good. When Then he got starting refs, and all of a sudden, guess what? He still sucked. So I want to see Landry Jones prove that he is the number two. I'm anxious to see what Gradkowski can do, because we haven't seen much of him in the last two years. Um, but other than that, I want to see some of these young running backs, Brandon Brown Dukes, uh, Daryl Richardson. Um, they've been running the football hard in training camp, and a lot of people have been talking about them. They're going to get a lot of looks uh, with D'Angelo Williams and Le'Veon Bell being out. And I also want to see Sammy Coates. Sammy Coates is going to play. He's probably going to see more reps than most that will actually see the field in the regular season. And everyone's talking that he's had a great camp but he's still very inconsistent, that he had three big drops today in practice. Um, he needs to work on his consistency. If you can do that in a, as Mike Tomlin called it, a stadium environment, then you're on the tra- on the right track. You're on the right path. And so that's another guy I'm going to be looking towards. And then I want to see the tight ends. I mean, they don't have <laughs> – really, they really don't have a tight end. I mean, Xavier Grimble, Jesse James, Ladarius Green is hurt. Roosevelt Nix has been taking snaps at tight end. And even David Johnson that came back to the Steelers after a stint with the Chargers, someone's going to have to step up. And so I want to see if anyone kind of grabs my attention. But, again, all one-on-one stuff. Uh, We want to see good pass protection from the offensive line. And I think we all can agree no injuries is paramount, number one on everyone's list in terms of goals for this game. Stay healthy. And that's why I'm glad. Hell, if it were for me, I wouldn't put any starters into this game. It's totally meaningless. There's no reason for Ryan Chazier to play. There's no reason for Ben Roethlisberger to play in the first three games, in my opinion, um, because that offense is, is fine. They, their cohesion is going to be there. They don't have many new pieces to the puzzle. Um, anything else you would want to add to that, Lance, in terms of the upcoming game against the Lions on Friday? I think you hit everything. You hit all the guys that I wrote down because I wrote down Colts, 
um, Jones and Jesse James. Those were the guys on the offensive side of the ball that I wanted to see. But Jane, but but Jeff, hey, you're up at five thirty on Snapchat, looking all sexy, trying to get your grind <laughs> on. Maybe you should step yeah. up and play tight end, dog. Come on, Al. I know uh, you got soft hands. I, don't I know you got soft hands. I, I do. I do, I do, I do. I, 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 I have the speed. I know the size. I'm only five foot nine, about 170 pounds. So um, that might be a problem. That might be a problem. That might. That's not a might. That's not. That's not a might be a problem. That's a problem. That's a period. Punctuation. End of it. Done. You, you know, might be I'm quick though. You might be professional. You oh, might be quick, quick in and out of your breaks though. In and out of I your mean, breaks, if, though. You might be quick, you know. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Whitehead. You know, Jeff Whitehead. Yeah, there you go. I've been watching a lot of Antonio Brown on Snapchat, and I've been trying to, you know, do some of his bulwark stuff. I mean, he's, it, I'll say this. Since we're talking about Snapchat, if you don't follow Antonio Brown on Snapchat and you have an account, you're missing some really good looks of what it takes to be the best. And this guy, and people think that he might just naturally be this good. You don't get picked in the sixth round. And the same with Tom Brady, who's probably the other most famous sixth-round pick ever. Um, you don't just get picked in the sixth round and then somehow rest on your laurels and then become good. And, um, do you follow AD on, on Snapchat, Lance? No, I don't. But I'll tell you one thing. Business is definitely booming. Absolutely. And this is a great segue. I know we're talking about Snapchat and all that fun stuff, which I love Snapchat. I'm kind of new to the game, but I love it. Um, I, it's Antonio Brown, and I brought this topic up to you the other day via text message. We were talking about the upcoming show, and I said, I want to talk about whether Antonio Brown, in your opinion, is going to be able to catch 2,000 yards, which is something that's never been done in NFL history. It's a Jerry Rice and all these great receivers. Never been done. He was close last year, and most, myself included, guessed that if Ben Roethlisberger doesn't miss a total of about five games, he does go over 2,000 yards. In your opinion, Lance, do you think Antonio Brown can catch 2,000 yards receiving in 2016? No, he will not catch 2,000 <laughs> yards in 2016. I know business is booming, but it won't be due to him. It will be due to the quarterback. And, you know, I took a look at Ben Roethlisberger's career stats, and by the way, the yardage – uh, yards in a season in terms of reception is held by Calvin Johnson, who recently retired Megatron, 1,964 yards. It's not going to be because of A.B. It's going to be because of Big Ben. Big Ben has played an average of 14.5 games per season, and he's only played, I believe, I wrote it down, 16 games three times in his career. Correct me if I'm wrong, listeners, if you're listening to the show. He's going to have to play a full 16 and A.B. is going to have to play a full 16. Because I don't think Ben will play a full 16, I don't think he'll do it. But listen to this, listeners. And I took the averages of Ben Roethlisberger, uh, A.B. stats with playing with Ben and without. With Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown had 119 receptions in 12 games for an average of 10 receptions per game, 162 targets, which was 13.5 targets per game. 1,599 yards, and that averaged out to 133.3. When Ben was out of the game, or he was hurt, or the Steelers didn't, he didn't start or whatever, and he didn't play, A.B. only had 17 reception on 31 targets for 205 yards for an average of 51 yards a game. 
Now, the key stat to think about is the 133, 134 yards per game is outstanding. I mean, that's ridiculous. If Ben plays 14 and a half games, basically 15 games, A.B. would have had last year 1,995 yards. So it's all about Ben Roethlisberger staying healthy. And A.B. is going to have to continue to put up some monster-type games. And he had four monster games last year. The game against San Francisco, nine receptions, 11 targets, 195 yards receiving, 21.7 average. Against Oakland, that epic game, 17 receptions, 23 targets, 284 yards receiving. 16.7 yards per game, for, per catch, excuse me, 23 targets. I mean, that's two games of targets for most guys. And, and for the average wide receiver, that's three games of targets. He had another game against Cleveland where he had 13 catches for 187 yards. And then we all remember the epic game against Chris Harris Jr. and the Denver Broncos, the Super Bowl champion Denver Broncos, 16 catches, 18 targets, 189 yards. So, it can happen. I think a lot of it is going to just depend strictly on Ben Roethlisberger's health. But A.B., if there's anybody that can do it, it's Antonio Brown. I just don't think he will do it because I don't think Ben is going to play 16 games. And if they're as good as I think they're going to be, there may be some periods in time in some games where Ben won't be in games and Landry Jones will be getting some snaps as well. So we'll see. It's going to be tough. But I'm just going to say no, primarily because of Ben Roethlisberger's health. You know, you're going to be stunned, but I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to agree with you that I what? don't think it's going to happen. Uh, yeah, I know. It's hard to believe. You might, I'm, I'm glad that this is being recorded now live so that we'll have this to play back if you ever want to say that I'm always, you know, Mr. Sunshine and Joy, as you call me. But still listen here. <laughs> I lo- I listened to your numbers and you did a great job. Pat on the back, big guy, for uh, honestly some good stats there. The numbers are not in his favor. Two thousand yards is a lot of <laughs> a lot of yardage for a receiver when so much has to go right for that number to be attained. And so I don't think that it's logistically going to happen. However, let me say this with a little asterisk, so to speak, at the end of this: the last three years. After the season, I've honestly said almost every year to myself, never publicly, never in an article on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, okay, I've said to myself, how is yeah, Antonio yeah, Brown? Yeah. Hold on, hold on. Oh, Let me finish. Let me finish. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. I just want you to not I, reveal too much. Okay. No, no, no. No. It's, I just <laughs> say, how is, he, how, is he going to, how is he going to get better from this? How is he going to improve? Because you look at his numbers in terms of receptions, and yardage, and you're like, there's no way he can improve on this next year. And so now we're entering 2016, I look at his statistics, and I'm like, how in the heck is this guy going to improve on this this past year? When is his ceiling, when is he going to hit his ceiling? And honestly, every year, in the last three years, he's gone through the ceiling. He's, he's pummeled the ceiling. And so, like you said, and you put it best, if there's one person that can do it, it's Antonio Brown. But there's a lot of things that have to go right. Roethlisberger has to stay healthy, like you mentioned. He's got to have those games where he absolutely goes nuts. Um, remember, they do play the Browns twice. Keep in mind that. You know, he could maybe accrue 500 yards of seeding in just those two games if he's, 
if he's on if they're on their A game. So um, I'm going to say that I, I agree with you that I don't think Antonio Brown is going to do it. But at the same time, in the back of my mind, he's proven me wrong the last three years, I guess the last two years, so to speak. I wouldn't be surprised if he proves me wrong again. Yeah, I mean, I mean, when you look at his numbers last year, that Raider game is such an outlier. 284 yards receiving in a game. I, I mean, look, even without the Raider game, because let's just say, let's just say he has 184 yards in that game, which makes it still a huge game, and that puts him at 1734 yards. So. 2000 is just it is is ridiculous. But if there's anybody that can do it, it's AB. But I think it's going to be on Ben. If Ben plays 16, AB is going to be knocking on the door. Because I'm looking at his stats again last year. He had 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. He had eight games of 100 yards or more receiving. And that's games of 133, 195, 108, 284, so he had two games of 100 in one game, 284, 139, 118, 189, and 187. So essentially he had 10 games of over 100, 100 yards in a game because I'm counting that Raider game as two games. So that that's just outstanding <laughs> production. And yeah. pay the man. Pay the man. Come on now. Come on, Steelers. <laughs> pay the man. I mean, look, come on. Pay the man. About, yeah, we Absolutely. We talked about that a lot last episode. You can go back and check that out. Um, we both think AB needs to be paid. But um, let's go to the other side of the football. You're uh, bread and butter, the defensive side. You know, with San Clay's goals, and uh, obviously it was reported and, and confirmed by the Steelers um, earlier in the week that his Liz Frank injury was probably the worst-case scenario. He had to go undergo surgery to repair it. They're looking at, like, a four-month recovery Um What's interesting here, though, and I don't know if you knew this, Lance, if you read the article that I wrote, um, there's a new, there's a change in the rule on how you do the short-term designated IR. Now, in the past, even last year, with Marquise County, and I was unaware of this, by the way, until I did some research, um, the Steelers, when they put County on injured reserve, they had to say right then they had to designate him as the player that will be able to come back and play as long as he meets the requirements, he sits out six weeks, yada, 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 all that stuff. This year, what's going to happen is they'll be able to put San Quinn Golson on, <clears throat> on injured reserve, and let's say there's another player, Fitzgerald Toussaint, that goes on injured reserve as well. Like, I'm not on what I hope he doesn't get hurt. I'm not saying that. And they don't have to designate anyone at that time to be that guy to come back. So they're watching these guys rehab. They're watching them recover. They see San Quinn Golson ahead of schedule. He looks good. He's ready to practice again. They can then say, well, he's further along than Toussaint. We are going to have Stenquist Golson be our designated to return player, and then he's going to be able to come back. Now, they can still only pick one player to do that, but they can wait and see, like last year with County, they wouldn't have had to use that designation on him when they saw there were so many issues with his ankle, the infection that he had, all that stuff. They never would have had to waste it on him. But I, don't, did you, I don't know if you knew about that or not, but that's going to change a lot of things in terms of the way the Steelers handle this Golson situation. Did you know about that rule change? I didn't know that. Let me ask you, when is the deadline to make the designation? There is no deadline as long as the player wow. has sat out six weeks. So it could be week 10, and the player has been out since the second week, like Franklin Golson. It could be week 13, and you could say that he's the guy that's going to return 
and come back and see it. Now, I'll have to double-check that. That's the way I read it, um, that it doesn't matter how long they've been on the reserve. There's no, like, okay, we have to get this guy designated now or else we're not going to be able to designate him at all. It's more along the lines of take a look at your players, see her or hurt, whichever one you think is going to have the best chance of coming back. You get one designation, you can use it on anyone you want. So that's going to change the way the Steelers are going to approach this Golson injury. They're going to put him on injured reserve, but they can take a kind of a wait-and-see approach here in terms of how he's, re- how he's recovering, whether he's going to be able to play again, and whether there's any other injuries. So that's going to change a lot of stuff. But take a look at the depth chart here. Um, and I'm looking at the, the current depth chart on Steelers.com for those that are interested. I'm looking at the cornerback position. And you have William Gay and Ross Cockrell as you're starting to cornerbacks. Now, I'm not going to read the depth chart exactly because this is not a depth chart that's somehow correlating who is starting, who's not. They have Sean Davis as the last safety behind Shamarco Thomas and Ray Vinopal from Pitt. That's not going to happen. So don't take that seriously. Um, hey, Jeff. Most of the players me, that they – go ahead. Let me pause for a second. When you said uh, – Gay and Cockrell. Didn't that sound like like if you say it fast together, it sounds like a dog breed, like Labrador Retriever. I'm bringing home a gay cockerel. <laughs> <laughs> it just came up my head. I guess <laughs> when you <laughs> say it like that, then sure, yeah. Can, can um, I get a spotty gray yeah. cockerel? <laughs> okay. So we'll, we'll just call we'll we'll just call them the, the pure breed, uh, the gay yeah. and cockerel duo <laughs> at uh, the, the cornerback position. So. Okay, so outside of that, though, you had you had Senkles Golson, who's now injured. Listen to the players that they have that they can fill in at that third cornerback spot position. Sean Davis obviously has been getting a lot of reps there, but he's got his knee all iced up after every practice. They're not sure if he's going to play on Friday, but he is probably the guy right now. You have Doran Grant, Donald Washington, uh, you talk about butchering names. Alhaj Shabazz, I think is his name. Artie Burns. And you have Montel Garner and Kevin White that was recently added. Do you see anyone there that you think, you know what, this guy could probably step in, maybe be a Bryce McCain type, make some plays if needed? Um, or are you along the lines of the Steelers might want to be shopping the free agent or potential trade like they did with Brandon Boykin? for a cornerback that they know is going to be able to step in and actually play. I think they need to give you a call. You did say you were 5'9", 5'10", about 175, yeah. 180, ripped and in shape. Uh, how's your back pedal? <laughs> how's your back pedal, Jeff? It, 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 uh, my hips are a little tight right now. I'd have to work on that. But my, my hip turn is, is okay. My, my, I have quick feet. You know, we'll see. what I, I don't know. 33 years old. I'm on the back end of the – I'm on the – on the back nine now, Lance, you know. Can you high point the ball? What's your vertical leap? It's not very much. Dude. I, I can high point it, but it's not going to be very high. So. <laughs> you can midpoint it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I, I say all this to say, let me, let me answer the question by asking you a question, Jeff. Okay. When they play nickel, who's their slot corner? Uh, now, or are you talking about like last year? Now, like let's just say, let's say at the start of the season, we're going to guess it's going to be William Gay. They're going to move William Gay back inside to play the slot corner. Cockrell will stay outside. Who's the who are the three corners? You think they're going to keep Gay outside? Hmm. Yeah. So that's even 
So if you keep gay outside, I'll go back to my original question. Who's the slot corner? Who are their three corners that they can play when they have to go to nickel? I have no idea. Well, on, I don't I don't know who the honestly, third corner is. It's it's right now it's Sean Davis and then who they threw out there today against the Lions was Montel Garner. In which case you're probably thinking who and that's what I'm saying who. I don't know much about the guy. But he and Donald Washington, Donald Washington had bounced around, was drafted by the Chiefs. He's an older player. Um, went to the CFL, and they they brought him in. I, I, I don't know. There's really no answer. I mean, yeah, you can say Sean Davis, but that's a rookie. You're, you're going to put a lot of pressure on that rookie. You know, I, you know, you say what you want about his preparedness and his conditioning, as Mike Tomlin referred to the other day. I don't know. I don't have that answer for you. So what are you saying? Are you saying they need to go out and get somebody? Absolutely. They don't have well, They don't have three good corners. And we all know what the NFL looks like in terms of the offensive side of football for most teams you're going to play. Teams are going to put you in 11 personnel. They're going to put you in one, one running back, one tight end, three wideouts. And they're going to stress it. So what teams are going to do if they know the Steelers are thin in their secondary is they're going to put make sure they put as many of them on the field as possible. You're going to see a lot of three wide receiver sets, four wide receiver sets, and they're going to make the Steelers' corners cover and play quality defense. And we saw that they struggled. Although they only gave up 19.9 points per game, which was solid, they struggled last year. They gave up a ton of big plays. They were 30th in yards, given up in terms of the pass. And I think it's going to be possibly worse because they had better corners last year, and they still were getting roasted. I mean, you look at Boykin, you look at Cortez Allen. I mean, they would take a Cortez Allen back right now. He's He would at least be serviceable. He's better than any of those other names that you mentioned. They don't have a third cornerback, which is a problem. They are going to be shopping at the end of training camp trying to take somebody's leftovers because they don't have anybody. And that's a huge problem for this football team. Okay. I'm going to say right now that I don't think they should make a trade like they did last year with Brandon Boykin. that four, the fourth or fifth, the conditional pick that they threw out there, it's just not worth it in my opinion. Um, I do like what you mentioned, and that's almost pulling on what they did with Buffalo. Buffalo cut Ross Cockle, they brought him in, and he played decent football for them considering he didn't have training camp with them, he's learning a new system, they could kind of threw him out there. Um, looking at the free agent cornerbacks right now, and I, I'm looking at, at WalterFootball.com. I don't know how up-to-date this list is, but let me just say that of the available cornerbacks that are still considered on the market in terms of their ranking system, guess which one is near the top of, of available free agents that are still out there? Surprise me. I'll give you, I'll give you a hint. He's a former Steeler. Your boy, Cortez Allen. <laughs> So that's the fact that he is like at the top of the heap of any quarterback that is considered a free agent right now as we sit here on August 10th, that should tell you everything you need to know about everyone that's below him and ranked worse. I don't see anybody that they could pick up right now that would be a good fit, that would make sense. If they're not going to do what you suggested in terms of wait until cuts and try to pick someone up, then they might as well just bite the bullet and hope with, that the rookie stays healthy and Sean Davis and that he's able to play and that one of these other guys, whether it's Garner or Washington, 
um, is able to step in and just be a Band-Aid, I guess, and, 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 you know, not let the slot players run random down the middle of the field. But it, it, it's a concern. It is a concern, and if you're a Steeler fan that's honest with yourself and you look at the defense, there is a concern now that Golson is hurt and is going to be out for the majority of the season. There is no clear-cut answer, in my opinion. I don't know if if they're going to find that guy. I think they got really lucky with Frost Cockrell, to be honest with you. I don't know if they're going to be as lucky again this year. Um, this, you know, is there anything else that you have for that that position with the cornerback and, and the slot and everything like that, or do you think it's going to be the downfall of that defense? I mean, in all honesty, we didn't know if Golson was the answer. He was just a name. He hadn't yeah. played. So, Very true. You know, so, you know, they have some issues. I mean, I, I wouldn't even be surprised if they brought in a couple of players. You know, this might be musical chairs at the cornerback position this entire training camp. It is a problem. If we think it's a problem, they have to know it's a problem. And I, and I get that they're with these guys every day. They're more knowledgeable, obviously, than us. But putting a rookie in the slot, you know, that's barbecue chicken, as Shaquille O'Neal would say. That, that's that's be tough well, for anybody. So, right. Now, let's hope you, they find somebody. Me, though. No, I agree. I agree 100%. Here's what gets me is a lot of people will then say, well, you know what, if they have a good pass rush, they'll be able to mask that secondary because a good pass rush does that. They ranked third in sacks last year. I believe they had 48 sacks on the season. They were third in the National Football League in sacking the quarterback, and they ranked 30th in pass defense. So tell me exactly. where that correlation resides because it's not really what everyone thinks that it is. The Steelers can get after the quarterback, but they're not going to get that quarterback every time he drops back to throw and if he throws every time he drops back to throw, there's someone that's blatantly wide open, like we saw last year with Antoine Blake and and um, uh, Brandon Boykin at times. It's just going to be the same old song and dance. And so we, as a as a fan, we hope that they find some way of masking that. That's the job of Keith Butler and Mike Tomlin. That's not going to be easy. And I don't think there's any way, shape, or form anybody could say that that position has been solidified. Uh, other than Cockrell and Gay, in my opinion. So other than that, it's up for grabs. And whether they do that in-house or whether they bring someone else in, it should be interesting. Now, we do have some callers that are, have been waiting patiently. Now is the time. We've kind of gone over our topping points, all the stuff we want to cover in today's show. If you have something you want to talk about, you can call in 347-850-8581. Again, 347-850-8581 is the number. Be patient. Wait on hold. We have some people ahead of you. But we will get to your calls, I promise. Let's get our first caller who's been waiting the longest. He is none other than the Hall of Fame caller, Vito, from New Jersey. What's going on, Vito? Gentlemen, good evening. It's all about being aggressive in this world, right? I've been watching the NFL yeah. Network show all week, and they've been talking about Pittsburgh being more aggressive this year. Uh, they have a different look in their eye. They have a different demeanor. I think their desire is stronger this year than last year to get it done, and they realize that two years in a row they've made it to the playoffs, and I think they realize that they have the goods to get there again. Uh, My only concern is with, um, I guess, two things I was thinking about. Number one, everybody's been talking about how well Sammy Coates has been playing, and that's a great surprise because, you know what, I think he'll be a good fill-in for Martavis Bryant because, let's face it, if he has a great year, 
and maybe we don't worry about bringing Bryant back because if these guys are going to keep having problems with their drugs and everything like that, do we really hold on to them long term? Because you know Pittsburgh is an organization that you know they'll cut ties with people if they keep it up. They keep doing the same thing that gets them in trouble. Eventually, they're going to cut ties with them. So uh, I hope hopefully he will be number two or number three receiver that could you know bring it. And uh, you know if that's the case. I think you'll see Ben spread the ball out a lot more where he won't target Antonio Brown as much as he has in the past because, you know, if he's got another guy besides Wheaton that can make some plays and Sammy Coates is that guy, I think that's a big plus for us. Number two, reading the article on Ladarius Green, I mean, that's a little bit of a concern for us because we just signed him and we don't know when he'll be able to even play. So I just wanted to get your thoughts and feedback on that. Offensively, I wouldn't worry about it. They've got seven, as Jeff says, every week. As long as you got seven, you got eight B. And what I'm hearing and what I've seen reported is that the Steelers feel very confident that Le'Veon Bell, for some reason, will not be suspended for four games. Um, so if, let's say, Le'Veon doesn't sit out the four games, offensively they're going to be fine. The biggest issue is going to be on the defensive side of football. They're going to have to get that secondary solidified. Because on top of what me and Jeff were saying about the cornerback position, they're introducing another safety in the starting lineup in Robert Golden. So that's another unknown there. Can Robert Golden be a starter? Can he hold that down? So all the questions are on the defensive side of football. Offensively, they're going to be able to move it. Hopefully they improve in the red zone. That tends to be a consistent issue with Ben Roethlisberger at the helm at quarterback. But offensively, it's going to be fine. It's on that other side of the line of scrimmage defensively. What are they going to do on a defensive side of football? How are they going to play? Are they going to be able to hold up, get the type of turnovers that they did last year, as well as hold teams to under 20 points per game like they did last year? So the issue is absolutely defense in 2016-17. Yeah, no, but Vito, you brought up Ladarius Green. That is a concern. It's a concern for a lot of reasons. They don't have depth at tight end. They, he's Miller retired, Matt Spates. They released him, and then he retired. Um, they had very thin there. and so They bang, they were banking on Ladarius Green. Now, a lot of fans are basically jumping off the bridge with this guy not practicing. It's still really early, folks. Um, he's on the pup list. He can be activated whenever they want, whenever they feel he's ready. Uh, if, if he's ready to go by the fourth preseason game, they'll be fine. He'll play and he'll be good. But if he doesn't, then that's a concern because now you're looking at Jesse James as your your guy at tight end. Um, you're looking at Roosevelt Nix or Xavier Grimble um, or even David Johnson, a lot of questionable players at that tight end position. But that's the present. Let's play a little future here, Vito, because you talked about Martavis Bryant. They're patient with Martavis. They're going to have him under contract for two more years. Let's play the what-if game. Think about this offense next year in 2017, and I understand that 2016 is right here. I get all that stuff. Let's say Marcus Wheaton leaves via free agency, just like Emmanuel Sanders did. Imagine a receiving core of Antonio Brown, Sammy Coates, Martavis Bryant, Ladarius Green, Le'Veon Bell potentially if they re-sign him, which I think they will out of the backfield. That is one dynamic group of receivers, and that could be fun to watch. So as good as this group is right now, think about what it would be with Martavis Bryant in the mix. And so, yeah, you're right. The Steelers will cut ties with players. 
But when the player's really, really good, they will be patient with them. Martavis Bryant's an example. Le'Veon Bell's another one. Um, they see the production. Like Lance always says, it's all about production. If they, their production's there, which with Martavis Bryant it is, they will be as patient as they want. So hopefully we answered those questions for you, Vito. Yeah, good stuff. I guess uh, would you guys take a chance on Cortez Allen if we can't get anybody as a cornerback? I think that ship has sailed. They know yeah, what right. they have in Cortez. They know what he is, and they know the guys that they currently have in camp. And so if if they weren't willing to keep him when they have guys that literally probably are going to be working at Whole Foods in about three weeks, uh, then there's no way that they're going to bring Cortez Allen back. Amazing. Plus, he, he would he would be doubling down on the paycheck because they're already having to pay him in dead money for this season anyways. If they were to bring him back, he'd be signing a new contract. They'd be paying him. They would double down on his paycheck. That would make me literally vomit, I think, thinking about the money that this guy would be making and as bad as he is. So uh, I don't think the Cortez Allen is an option. But, Vito, as always, thanks for the phone call. We appreciate it. Gentlemen, have a good evening. You too. All right, let's get our next caller on the air there. Could you imagine Cortez Allen coming back on the team, Lance? I mean, that would make me sick to my stomach. That's like when someone brought up Lamar Woodley. <laughs> he'd have really? Change, Lamar he'd Woodley? have to change his name and wear Groucho Marx glasses and be in disguise. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, they let's figured get out it was Cort- if, When they figured out it was Cortez <laughs> Allen, they would somehow – Try to get him off the team as soon as possible. Oh, gosh, that's a nightmare. All right, let's get 865-951-1946. Show me how to check and Lance. Go ahead. Hey, guys. Hey, I, hey, I, I really just, not much. I, I live about 500 miles away. So, basically, I get yeah. my Steelers news from uh, from you guys and, you know, the, the website. Um, but did they know – that Heath was going to retire before he retired, or did that catch everybody off guard? I haven't seen anything reported that they did knew. That, excuse me, that they did know. But I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if they had had some discussions. I mean, I don't. It, it's you know, guys do it differently. I, I, I've known some guys to play in the NFL, and, and I've talked to them about this, and. You know, it kind of depends on the relationship between the organization and the player. So, so I wouldn't be surprised if Heath and the Steelers had some discussions about what they wanted to do. Because remember, they have exit interviews with all these guys as well to kind of gauge, um, you know, what they want these guys to do uh, in terms of preparing themselves. You know, different things that they may have envisioned for them in the offense or whatever and so forth that they might want to do. So. I wouldn't be surprised if it came up in the exit interview, but I also wouldn't be inter- wouldn't be surprised if it didn't. But given Heath's stature and, and Heath in the organization, I wouldn't be surprised if the Steelers had some idea that Heath Miller uh, was going to retire because they went after Green pretty aggressively. Okay. Yeah, I think that I think that Heath Miller. I don't be surprised either. If the Steelers told Heath is the love that he was, they did this to Troy Polamalu too. You're talking to the, the most famous players in, in team history in terms of being good guys that have never caused trouble or anything like that. I think they kind of told him, look, you know, your contract is pretty hefty right now. There's a good chance we're going to release you. 
uh, didn't know what you how you wanted to handle it. And a lot of players like Troy, possibly like Heath, said, you know what, I, I think I'm just going to call it a career. Um, I'm not so sure. I, I, know, I know pretty – I'm not going to say I know for a fact, but I'm pretty sure, almost 100% sure that, that happened with Paul Amalo. I don't think he really wanted to retire, but he didn't want to play for anybody else, and he decided to just hang him up. And that's why there's a little bitterness between Troy and the Steelers organization. But in terms of Heath, that guy's been through a lot. You know, you think about the knee injury – that he suffered torn ACL, uh, the concussions. There's a good chance, too, that he met with the team and said, you know what, guys, I just want to let you all know I'm, I'm hanging it up. And so, like Lance said, then they went after Ladarius Green uh, pretty aggressively. So um, that's all we know. Uh, nothing's going to come public. The Steelers are a very tight-lipped organization. But uh, is that all you have for us tonight? Uh, actually, I had one more question. Uh, sure. and I may be stirring the pot a little bit. But we drafted Heath, what? Uh, first round. Uh, first round, and did they not have to trade up to get him? I don't remember if they traded up to get him. I do no. remember. I believe he had a hernia injury. I know there was some injury concern, and that's why yeah. he dropped a little bit to them. But I don't think they traded up. Um, the only players I can remember in the first round they traded up to get, ironically, was Troy Palomaro that Jeff just mentioned, and. Um, why am I forgetting his name? Because he made one of the greatest catches for the Pittsburgh Steelers in Super Bowl history. San Antonio Holmes. Antonio exactly. Holmes. Yeah. And they and they traded up for San Antonio Holmes. I don't I don't recall yeah. them doing that for any other player in the first round. They didn't. No, they didn't they didn't trade up to get Heath. No, he he was there for them. I think it I wanna say that was the year he was drafted in 2005, the year after Roethlisberger took the AFC Championship game, which means that they would have drafted probably 30th or 29th, and I think he was there at one of those spots. Oh, okay. I don't know why I was thinking that he he went higher than that. But uh, Not. do they regret, you know, Jason Witten from UT, uh, you know, Tennessee, went – the year before, in the third round, now it's a high third round, but if they needed a tight end, why didn't they pick him? Uh, I mean, it's hard he, to say. I mean, he's, it, it, he's, it's hard to say. Yeah, he, he's um, been a stalwart for uh, the Cowgirls. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's, it's hard to say. I mean, I don't think, as Steeler fans, we can't complain about Heath. I mean, Jason Witten's oh, going no. to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, I don't think anybody will question that. Uh, but but Heath's been a fantastic player. I mean, a fantastic ball player. They got their money's worth and then some with Heath Miller. Okay. Well, that, yeah, that, that's absolutely. all I really like, guys. Uh, we, we appreciate the phone call. Thanks for calling in. All right, we have one last caller here, Lance, uh, to get to, and then we'll be wrapping it up. I believe I, I, I recognize this number. I love And you are all you're all out of sorts tonight. But I think I think this is Bryce from Brooklyn, if I'm correct. Is, is this Bryce on the line, fellas? This is Bryce from Brooklyn. What's up? Yeah, I'm I'm getting good with my numbers. I'm getting good. I'm, I'm getting I'm getting in mid-season form with this podcast. I mean, I recognize Vito's number already. Bryce, but all our Hall of Fame callers, I got it. What's up, Bryce? <laughs> <laughs> um, what's going on, guys? Um, so, commenting and get your thoughts. 
Um, so the defensive backfield, I was reading about, you know, had a few injuries, definitely getting thin. What do you think about this um, sitting Willie Gay out on Friday, just throwing these young guys in, even maybe sitting Mike Mitchell out, putting those young guys in and giving them all the reps and just seeing who's, who, who sorts themselves out, who plays well, who doesn't play well, and then build from there. I say that because you know what you're getting from Will Gay. You know what you're getting from Mike Mitchell. Let let Shamarco, um, let Golden, let these other young guys all get in, rotate in, and play the whole game and see what shakes out. What do you think? Bryce, you brought up an interesting point. Speaking of resting Will Gay on Friday, they need to absolutely sequester him, yeah. lock him into yeah. the Pittsburgh version of Guantanamo Bay with <laughs> yeah. Ross Cockrell because if either one of those two guys get hurt, it, it, it's awful. It, it, it is DEFCON, what is it, DEFCON 4, DEFCON Red. I don't know. Yeah. I watch all these movies. But it's, it, it's as bad a DEFCON as you can get. So I'm with the plan. I don't think Will Gay should see the field or Ross Cockrell, and I think they should play every young guy. I mean, hell, they need to pull guys from out of their stands. So if there's a guy, if you're listening to this show, you want to play NFL football, you run a 4-3, you can backpedal and you're about 6-1, get there quickly. Get stretched, loosened up, do some Pilates, because they might be pulling you to play. Yeah, you know, Bryce, the one thing, and I agree with you 100%, there's no need for William Gay to play in this football game. He has nothing to prove. Uh, there's nothing to gain from him playing in this game. There's only You can only lose in this situation, and that's with injury. And any player that's like that, where you have nothing to gain, you don't play them, period. And that's how we're coaching, how it handle each individual player. Now, with that said, I really, really wish that Artie Burns was going to be playing in the game Friday. It would be a great chance for him to get his first experience, to get his feet wet, even though it's not a regular season game, but to be out there in an NFL stadium with NFL expectations on your shoulders, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen now. Tomlin did say he's going to leave the door open um, for anybody to play, obviously, but he was one of those, and Travis Feeney's another one that I was I was hoping was going to get to play. Any rookie I was hoping to see extended time of, um, it doesn't look like it's going to happen, but I agree with you. I agree. I think the William Gay, there's nothing to gain, so why play him? What else you got for us, Bryce? Um, just just um, one, one more thing. Uh, I would put, Lance, I would push back on Ross Cockrell a little bit, only for this. I think Ross had a nice year last year, but I would give Ross, I would start Ross and give him some reps because I think he's a young guy, and in this system I think he needs the reps. Even though you bring up a good point, you, you know, you can't afford to lose that guy with an injury, I still think he's in that unique position where he's a young enough guy where he needs to get reps. It's kind of like Stephon to it a little bit. Like, I would pull Cam Hayward. I would play Stephon a little bit just so, A, he can get the feel for what it means to play without Cam, and then, B, because him being a little younger, it's still good to get those guys reps. Um, I've, uh, other than Mike Mitchell, everyone else, maybe Lawrence Timmons, he doesn't need to play. On defense, everyone needs to play because they're younger. I don't disagree, and I think that's a good point. I think they really have to watch it because they're so thin back there. They're really going to have to keep their eye on it. I mean, can you imagine if Ross Cockrell or Gay gets hurt in the first game? 
Mm. I mean, I mean, Jeff told you if you were listening to the show, you know, maybe 20 minutes prior that the best, arguably the best cornerback on the market is Cortez Allen. So we don't, the Steelers <laughs> right. don't want to be in that world or in that business again. Right. So they're going to have to watch it. Yeah. And honestly, I agree with you, Bryce. Everyone with Ryan Chazier. I don't want Ryan Chazier to be in the field. Um, I know what he's okay. capable of. I know he's young. But the guy that's been injured more than anybody else on the defense side of the football since he's been drafted in 2014, no. I don't want him playing. Play. He's too dynamic, in my opinion, to pull a hamstring, twist a knee, tweak an ankle. You know what I'm talking about. I, yeah. I agree with everyone that you said, even, even to it, not Chazier. Don't play him. Put him in bubble wrap. Throw him in a locker somewhere. Say, we'll let you out when the game's over. That's what I would do. All right, that's all I got, fellas. I appreciate you having me on, man. Great stuff. Hey, no problem, Bryce. Thanks for the call, as always. We appreciate it. All right, Lance, now's your time. Get on your soapbox. You get a couple minutes to talk to Steeler Nation before the first preseason game on Friday against the Detroit Lions at Heinz Field. The big catch-up bottle. What do you got for us tonight, Lance? Typically, I'm not a big fan of preseason football. I absolutely, typically, I think it absolutely sucks, to be quite honest. But <laughs> well, does, this year, I, I think Steeler fans should really be taking a look at the defensive side of football to see, you know, what young guy is going to emerge to help out this defense. Because I'm going to say it at nauseum. Jeff's going to say it at nauseum. This team has the ability to compete for a championship if the defense can play middle-of-the-road football, be ranked overall about 15. So really focus on the defensive side of the football. And also, don't overreact to anything that you see in week one. If the defense, if, if they go out and give up 700 yards, don't overreact. It's week one of the preseason. But before I get out here, I want to say an RIP to John Saunders, outstanding columnist, mm-hmm. uh, not columnist, but outstanding uh, personality at ESPN, on-air personality, who passed away earlier this week at the age of 61, one of the pioneers over at ESPN on the Sports Reporter, um, did a lot of stuff over at ESPN, did a lot of hockey stuff. Ironically, was a really good hockey player as well from Canada, just an outstanding guy. Um, and I want to send my condolences out to him, his family, and the ESPN family. John Saunders was a heavyweight in the industry, and it's going to be a big loss. You know, I was going to talk about some football stuff, but that to that, nothing else matters. Our condolences as well to the Saunders family. Very well said, very well put. Well, my friend, I thank you for another great episode. For those that want nothing but the best, in terms of the Pittsburgh Steelers coverage, go to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. You can hear this podcast there tomorrow. Um, we'll have another podcast airing tomorrow as well. Um, that'll be on the website as well as a lot of information leading up to the first game on Friday for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on The Standard is the Standard. Bye. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, 
Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. <laughs>